0: Hello and welcome to Dairy Pod. I'm John Penry from Dairy Australia. Treating lameness can be a rewarding job on the farm, allowing farmers to ease leg and hoof pain, as well as getting their prized milkers back in really good shape. But for many farmers, treating lameness can also create lots of challenges on the farm. In this podcast, a group of experts and farmers from a recent Healthy Hooves workshop look at approaches to preventing, diagnosing, and treating lameness. It's a really great discussion led by Gipps Dairy's Kristin Davis and Gippsland vet Dr Mark Humphreys with plenty of practical tips on how to improve lameness outcomes in your herd.
1: All right, welcome to um, another episode of the Dairy Pod. I'm Kristin Davis, a Regional Extension Officer with Gipps Dairy. Um, today we've had a really successful day at a Healthy Hooves workshop based in South Gippsland at the Jolbart Dairies. I'm just going to go around the room now and introduce those that were here today. Mark, I'll start with you.
2: Yeah, so Mark Humphreys, um, I'm a veterinary consultant, sort of specialising in preventative health, but um, for some reason, always loved um, teaching um, people and, and building people's awareness about lame cows. Um, Victoria.
1: Uh, I'm Victoria Laurie, and I am a dairy operations assistant at Allenbank Research Farm. And studying how to do healthy hooves.
3: Hi, yeah, Will Ryan. So I'm the research farm manager at Ellenbank Research Farm. I like to describe myself as a lameness enthusiast. And, uh, yeah, I love to work towards improving the health and welfare of uh, the cows under my management. Over to you, Brian.
4: Uh, Brian Keaton, Victorian Hoof Care Services. I class myself as a um, passionate hoof trimmer. Um, love of cows, uh, just love fixing lame cows. Dean,
5: thanks, Brian. Uh, Dean Fry, Eagle Direct, uh, covering Australia and New Zealand. Um, been an animal health uh, specialist and agronomist uh, for a number of years. Um, they've loved working in with some of the world leaders on uh, on lameness mitigation and lameness work um, across across many areas, and uh, delivering education to the industry to help with animal welfare. Thanks very much, Dean. Yeah, so
2: Kristen, um, what were you what was the stimulus for organising the lameness workshop today at Gelbarts?
1: Yeah, thanks, Mark. I guess I guess today's influence came from the really wet winter that we've just had and with some recent flooding both in the MID um in Yarram, And so I guess that came the idea came from there to to run some Healthy Who's workshops to um, try and promote people within the dairy industry to have better management, treatment and prevention of lameness.
2: So what we've done today in the workshop, um, we've really tried to focus on detection and treatment of lameness. Because time is short, um, that's been our area of attention. We probably all love talking about um, uh, prevention, um, but... Um, We've really focused on detection and we've had um, some good dairy farmers and and staff members um, come and some have had some reasonable experience and others are really just getting going. And really our focus is about early and effective treatment. Um, And one of the things that we're trying to promote because we've all experienced ourselves in this small group um, is just how rewarding treating lame cows is. Because it's one of the few things where a cow is severely impeded by a sore foot, and you can, if you just, if you can safely restrain that animal, if you've got a bit of equipment, um, and a little bit of know how, and the more importantly, the willingness to have a go, learning a little bit trial and error, humans are good at that. If we start um treating these cows earlier and more effectively, what we've been talking about today is that. Um, you're going to have less lame cows because you're not going to have those repeat cases um, and uh, not have that production loss and all those other effects of, of decreased fertility and things like that. Will, I know you've um, been in, interested in lame cows for, for, for a number of years. How did you start getting involved um, with lame cows
3: and why? Thanks, Mark. Um, I... I suppose I was that dairy operations assistant in the past, and I was watching lame cows coming into the dairy, and knowing within me that I, there was something I could be doing today that could help the welfare of that animal, and um, so then that's how I kind of started my journey. I ended up just trying to teach myself, watching a couple of YouTube videos um, in there uh, quite a while ago, just watching um, uh, videos on how to treat lame cows, and um, yeah, uh, having a, a good crack at a couple of cows and. Uh, then my kind of passion for learning more about lameness kind of, uh, took me over to New Zealand and I did, a, a, um, a, a course over there, um, with, uh, Hof in, uh, yeah, South Island. And then, uh, um, I was working with actually, uh, Bart Dairy at the time. Then I came back here and put all that knowledge that I'd learned into practice and I was, um, functional hoof trimming, yeah, the majority of the herd once a year, and then going into curative foot trimming um you know uh, 100 animals a year or 50 animals a year so um had the great opportunity to uh put into practice straight away all the stuff that i had learned but it was uh, that initial uh learning i suppose just came from watching videos having a bit of a go myself and learning from my mistakes along the way
2: yeah thanks will could you comment on what is common practice on some farms of treating lame cows with penicillin
3: or other antibiotics without lifting the foot. Is there any benefit in that approach? If my business is um, just leading with the needle in terms of identifying lame cows and just going, jumping, uh, reaching straight for the penicillin, reaching straight for the syringe, you know, I've really got to have a good look at my business because um, working with both yourself and then Brian over the years, you know, and um, uh, learning that, you know, 80% of lameness cases don't even require any antibiotic treatments. So, um, lifting that foot is more of the priority. So I suppose if there are um, if there are businesses out there that are just uh, jumping straight to the antibiotics, um, I'd be saying to those some of those people is you know in, invest the time into your staff or invest the time in in, um, in, in yourself and just start learning um, about uh, picking up those feet, having a bit of a look and see what's going on first before you reach for that, um, for your reach for the bottle of penicillin. It's costly to have him out of the vat, and therefore, um, you know, I, I think it, there's more be- benefits to both the businesses, the cows, and then the industry if we're, um, you know, picking those feet up first and having a look and see what's going on. Thanks, Will. Uh, Brian, can you add
4: to that? Yeah, I, I think this, um, reaching directly for the penicillin bottles is a misuse of, uh, misuse of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. So I think it's as simple as that, unless you have a hot, swollen foot. There's absolutely no point reaching for it.
2: And and, and even when you do have um, uh, a swollen foot, um, it may be on one side and it may be due to an abscess. It, it may
4: be a lesion too, yes.
2: Uh, which really requires that drainage um, and the removal of what we call underrun um, tissue.
4: Yeah. yeah. And also, even if it is a foot rot, which is about the only um, – Situation that the penicillin is going to work. There's probably a stone or something in there that's causing the foot that needs removing.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Victoria, you've been able to um, learn a little bit under Will at, at Ellenbank, which has um, been terrific, and I've seen your skills today. But what did you get out of today? Um, anything to sort of go on with a bit more?
1: Um, I learned how to do a very good um, functional trim. Yep. So helping with the modelling and how far I can go in and like the circle like two thirds and one third in
3: and stuff like that.
2: Yep and um with your other experience with um at Ellen Bank what what was the what was the hardest part getting going um was it you know you know knowing how much force you can put through the hoof knife or getting used to the angle grinders or what was what was um hard to get going when you started with Will?
1: Um, Definitely trying to work out how hard I can actually dig in with the knives because I didn't want to go too far in and make them bleed and I didn't want to go too soft and be taken forever.
2: One of the things we've we've raised today and is our collective challenge is that, you know, a cow is a um, prey animal and so they don't actually want to show that they're lame. And so studies in New Zealand um, by Jessica Fabian, um, Becky Way in the UK and David Beggs in Australia have all shown similar results in that dairy farmers are only picking up one in four lame cows. Now, to cut ourselves some slack, it's partly because they're a prey animal. They want to hide it from us. But I think acknowledging that that um, very good sort of, um, or or not good, but the the statistic is there and repeated across countries, should sharpen our focus, in my opinion, to say, ah, what can we do? You know, let's and, – and possibly let's, um, you know, jump into these lameness workshops where we're, you know, talking about locomotive scoring, looking at, um, you know, what that back's doing when the cow is walking on a flat surface. Is she striding out? Is she putting her back foot in the front in, – in the place of where the front foot has just left? Um, what is her head carriage doing? Is she short-strided? Things like that. I think we've got to work together to – to build our awareness so we're picking up some of these cows before they're really, really lame and have already dropped their dry matter intake. Studies um, by, the, the, uh, by Sprecher in the US have shown that even with mi- mildly lame animals, their dry matter intakes are dropping off by 5%. And, you know, to be honest, with some of our finely tuned animals that we've got, they don't take kindly to 5% dry matter decrease. You know, that is going to that is one of the reasons why it has these flow on effects with fertility. And I suppose um, you know we're we're all trying to you know, with these days that we're uh, the Gipps Dairy and Dairy Australia are putting on, hopefully trying to build that awareness in terms of um, you know locomotus scoring and things like that. Um, Dean, we've um really had the focus on detection and treatment today, but um because we've been uh you know bound by by time but in terms of deciding on preventative strategies can you speak to um the importance um of recording lameness cases and even at whatever level if it's just the foot to start with and then the lesion what have you seen as the 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 reason why you'd bother to record such a thing even if you're not using antibiotics
5: yeah thanks mark it's um I guess we've got a real great opportunity to do a lot of learnings from overseas. And when you look at the likes of the US, um, they're using programs like DairyComp 305 to do fantastic recordings. And the beauty about the programs like that, and particularly with their lameness recordings, because they do a lot of trimming, they'll, they'll do a, two functional trims a year, one at dry off, one at mid lactation, and they're recording all these um, trims. But being able to analyze that Dairycom 305 data set, you can actually pick up what your main lesions are so you can then backtrace and do an investigative um, process where you're working out well why are we getting white line or why are we getting sole ulcers or whatever it may be or thin soles we can then step back and go well how do we prevent that from happening knowing what our main lesions are provides us such a great tool to be able to prevent it
2: um brian just back to you you've got clients um, in different parts of Australia, but mainly Western Victoria and Gippsland. What's what's a couple of things that you'd like your clients to do more of?
4: I, I think it's just probably one thing I'd like them to do is to do functional trimming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we, if we can just start with that, um, the dry-off or pre-dry-off trim, I personally like to do them about two weeks before dry-off because that way if we have any accidents while we're doing the feet, and the cow gets mastitis or something, you've got time to clean her up. Also, doing a freshly dried off cow is not a good idea, because once I lift the belly band in my crush, out comes the dry cow
3: tubes.
2: (laughs) And in terms of that preventative trim, what are you hoping to achieve with that preventative trim?
4: I'm I'm aiming to to minimize lameness, simple as that. Prevention has always been better than cure. So, um, And in that five-step method, um, we talked
2: today about um, starting with that inside claw, so getting that dorsal wall to 75 millimetres, so yeah. 7.5 centimetres, coming across and doing the outside claw and then trying to balance the, the weight-bearing surface so that, yeah, that, that force is actually going through um, both claws and not what normally happens is more on the lateral side yes
4: i think the other thing too is that sometimes to, to get the ideal functional trim mm-hmm. you can leave that lateral claw a little bit thin which if you're doing that in a laxating cow that's not a good idea but if mm-hmm. she's going to be a dry cow up the back paddock uh, where she's going to grow you know a hoof for four to six miles a month mm-hmm. it, we're just setting her up to come back in good
5: mm-hmm. dane i think to brian's point in regards to that late lactation um, functional trim, the the research has shown across the world, whether it's grazing or confinement dairies, is that the highest peak of lameness detected is actually the first two months after calving. So that late dry trim can actually set that animal up a lot better for that early lactation where she's going through a period in the transition where she's using and, and, and losing so much opportunity to set that animal up. So that late lactation trim is actually really beneficial.
4: I'd just like to quote a customer, a customer in southern New South Wales, so you could say it's not relevant to get to them, but I, I still think it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: We, we went from a, a situation of just doing lameness trims, and we were running at 15% lameness.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: We now just functional trim at dry off, and we're down to 3%. Mm-hmm.
3: So a good anecdote there. Will, did you have something else? Yeah. and I. I just wanted to um put in mark um i've been working with brian as well for the last uh, three years four years um and we've moved away from doing the curative trimming more towards the preventative um, uh, functional trimming and we're our our luckily like our through the efforts of both brian and i the um our lameness rate, uh, rates going in the the same direction as what he was just describing before you know sitting around that 15 20 mark and then yeah trending downwards now and You know, when you sit down and think about the the cost associated with preventing lameness and that in my main herd, it's a a huge benefit to, you know, my my pocket essentially as well as the cow.
1: Thanks, Will. Um, A question for you, Brian. You were commenting today around the use of blocks and just want you to expand on that again um, and how the use of that can be really helpful in a herd when you are trying to treat lameness.
4: Um, A cow needs to rest an unhealthy claw or a sick claw. Cows do not rest. Um, So the only way we can make a cow rest is to uh, stick a block to to the healthy claw, which lifts the unhealthy claw off the floor and allows it to do its own healing.
2: Well, for some people, um, they don't need any motivation in terms of what what a lame cow will cost. It, It may be because they just really want to help that animal. But do you see... What, what, what do you see as the impact um, when you actually do get a lame cow? Have you got a sort of a dollar figure that you've established in your herd?
3: Yeah, so the the, dollars, uh, the dollar figure that um, we've used and Dairy Australia's um, done work into establishing what a, what a clinical lame cow cost to business would be $339. So And when you compare that with Dairy Australia's um, mastitis um, cost, it's actually greater than the mastitis cost. So lameness... Is and you know, just speaking uh, candidly about my business at the moment, um, lameness is actually one of our most significant animal health issues that we're trying to address. Um, And uh, as well as it being uh, costly, but it also um, does, as dairy operators, we want to make sure that we've got the best health and welfare for our animals. So um, we're trying to uh, address it quickly. But um, yeah, there's a significant financial cost associated with a clinical lame care. And those costs
2: um, are made up of, you know, they are more likely to be cold. There's there's your own time. Maybe there's a hook trimmer or a vet involved in some of your cases. There's drugs in some of the cases. There's blocks. There's glue. There's tips. Um, and the other thing we raised today, which we probably um, need to be using more of, is um, the anti-inflammatories when we do strike a lame cow. I think we've got really good evidence now to say that um using um, uh, anti-inflammatory products like Ketoprofen or Meloxicam, uh, Flunixin, things like that, um, used at the time of a treatment will result in that cow being sounder sooner. Um, and so I think there's enough evidence now so that we can be a bit liberal, more liberal with that. And when, you really, when it boils down, <laughs> if we had some of the lesions and, and, and problems that some of the cows did, I'd, I'd really want some pain relief on board myself, and I don't think it's anything different for a, for a cow that we're that we're dealing with.
3: Mark, today you made a good point um, uh, that the, the cow is a prey animal. So um, the by the time that they actually show signs that they're in pain, they're significantly in pain, and I think that is very important to remember. Um, and that's why I think it's it, it's really good if we can incorporate as operators, um, yeah, ketoprofen or um, some form of anti-inflammatory into the treatment process as part of the lameness treatment strategies.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Um,
2: Will, just with, um, have you got some tips around, um, uh, you know, with with treating lame cows and doing your preventative foot trimming? Um, Someone mentioned today about the importance of um, sharp hoof knives. How do you go about that and what's the importance to, to you when you're doing your hoof trimming?
3: Yeah, so uh, a, a previous mentor of mine um, described it as uh, with the the sharp knives that they're absolutely important for safety. And you think sharp knives important for safety. How does that work? But um, he was saying that the... Uh, it, the more often than not, uh, uh, injuries that occur um, when people are hoof trimming are usually in relation to uh, blunt knives and putting excessive force onto the blade and having less control over the knife itself. So um, having um, a, a good equipment and um, a well-maintained equipment is important for the, the safety of both the operators as well as the staff that are doing the work. And if you think about, um, uh, you know, sharp knives, um, if you're not... If you're not, if you don't have that safe gear, and you miss and get your own finger, or you get your hand, or something, yeah, you could be out for quite a while. So, d- as dairy operators, we can't really a- afford to have that that downtime or time away from the dairy. So, yeah, maintaining a uh, good good equipment is important.
1: Um, thank you very much, Will. I have a question for you, Dean. T- today you mentioned um, around trimming feet that less is more. Can you comment a little
5: bit more around that? Yeah, great question. Yeah, it, it's often a case uh, right around the world that um, farm will bring in a trimmer, and and the trimmer believes, you know, to make sure that the farmer understands I've actually done something, is it, he, he'll put a lot of chips on the floor and trim around the dorsal wall and areas that aren't required, and it's um, unfortunately it's a bit of a dogma, but. I guess today is is a great opportunity for us to teach and, and educate the industry of what to look for when you do have a trimmer or you do have a veterinarian coming out to do it. Is is understanding what you're actually trying to achieve. What is your end goal? What is the why? Um, so yeah, less less is always more with uh, with with trimming, unless of course when you have a lesion, and then you actually have to take more than what most people would actually do. So it's a it's a bit of a funny one, but um in functional trimming, yeah, less is pretty much more.
2: Yeah, and I think to to add to that, it's um yes, when using those hoof testers to say, well, where is is there a lesion somewhere that we we need to go further with? But then if there's areas and we haven't got perfect balance um, on one one uh, on, on across both claws and there's no lesion um, and what happens with sort of wetter conditions? If we've got soft soles, that's a that's a really um, important case where you've got to be really cautious and not take too much tissue away. And I saw Brian today with one of Gel um, Gelbart's cows here. It wasn't perfectly balanced, but he used his um, thumb to just check the the thickness, and it was springy. And he said, "No, she's in the middle of lactation." I've, I've cleared the lesion, I haven't got it perfectly balanced, I'm going to step away. And so it's a real discipline I think for um, uh, trimmers when they're getting started and, and and farmers when they're getting started not to create the perfect looking foot and I've certainly been guilty of that, um, you know, as, as
5: uh, in the early years. Dean. Mark, I think also to add to that um, comment is, in the grazing industry, as the predominantly Australian, New Zealand dairies, is that we have a main lesion, which is thin soles. So, again, with functional trimming, it's it's a very disciplined outcome to make sure you aren't taking more because most of the times we do not have sole and we don't have enough to actually take. Mm-hmm. So it's the right steps involved, training, understanding, the right steps, and away we go.
2: So just um, summing up, we've really enjoyed today um, obviously it with with lameless enthusiasts um, but hopefully our enthusiasm has um, bubbled over to um, other participants that that have come we were really intending to get them to the next point build their confidence um, mm. to to um, start detecting more mm. cows um, treating some cows and building their mm. confidence and I think really the ingredients to success with treating lame cows is First and foremost, the intention that you want to do it, that you want to have a go and you want to um, care for that cow and try and get her back eating and walking with the herd that she wants to do. Secondly, that you've had a think about and said, right, okay, with where my business development is at, I've invested in some facilities and some equipment to safely restrain that animal. We know that if it's not safe, you're not going to get you're not going to do it yourself and you're not going to get other staff to do it um and yes you do need a little bit of equipment some hoof testers we um, raised the importance of those in, in leading us to the, the right area um the hoof knives um and toe cutters um and then just building your skills i think Will's really described that well where his interest led him into um doing a bit watching videos and then it then it took him to New Zealand, um, a really a great experience over there. Um, but hopefully through these days with Gipps Dairy and, and Dairy Australia um, and hopefully a little bit of mentoring on farm if you can buddy up with, with other people and say, hey, come and give us a hand. Do you see what I see sort of thing? Um, and then otherwise um, watching your vet or hoof trimmer and asking lots of questions, getting more value than you pay for because they're there. Um, to yeah, to coach as well. Um, so yeah, it's been a, a great day, and and I really appreciate everyone's input, and hopefully we've made a small difference.
1: Thank you very much, Mark. If you'd like to find out more about lameness and the Healthy Hooves workshops, visit the Dairy Australia website or contact your local RDP for more information.
2: Uh, thanks very much, um, Victoria, Will, Brian, Dean, and Kristen.
1: And thank you very much,
0: Mark. Many thanks to Kristen, Mark, Victoria, Will, Brian, and Dean for a really great podcast. It's excellent to hear how an issue that can have such a huge financial impact, as well as causing animal welfare issues, can be dealt with in-house if farmers arm themselves with the right skills and tools. The first step to better lowness outcomes can be attending a Healthy Herbs workshop which are run by your local regional extension officers with expert guidance from people like Mark, Brian and Dean. To find out dates and times, visit dairyaustralia.com.au. We really hope that you've enjoyed this podcast and recall, there's plenty more where this one came from in the archives of DairyPod. Look out for these wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe to DairyPod on your favourite podcasting platform And if you have any questions or ideas for future podcasts, please get in touch with us by emailing dairypod at dairyaustralia.com.au. Thanks a lot for listening and bye for now.